Uh, the sermon text is actually on the last page of your handout there, but we're going to begin with some readings that are not included for you there. So you'll just have to listen. You have to listen like the people did in uh, the Israelites who were not yet in Israel. They're, after they'd come out of slavery in Egypt and Moses had led them and they had gone wandering through the desert for 40 years. And then we have in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 4, we're going to read the first nine verses. As they are on the edge of the promised land, but they're not in yet. And Moses gathers all the people up and he says, Let me remind you of everything so that when you go in, you'll go in the right way. And um, here's one of the things that he says. Deuteronomy 4, 1 and 9. He says, Now Israel, hear the decrees and laws I'm about to teach you. Follow them so that you may live and may go in and take possession of the land the Lord, the God of your ancestors, is giving you. Do not add to what I command you, and do not subtract from it. But keep the commands of the Lord your God that I give you. You saw with your own eyes what the Lord did at, ba- at Baal Peor. The Lord your God destroyed from among you everyone who followed the Baal of Peor. But all of you who held fast to the Lord your God are still alive today. See, I have taught you decrees and laws as the Lord my God commanded me so that you may follow them in the land you are entering to take possession of it. Observe them carefully, for this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations who will hear all these decrees, who will hear about all these decrees and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him? And what other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws I'm setting before you today? Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. Then our gospel reading is actually from the Sermon on the Mount. When Jesus preached to a crowd of people outside and in large part, was commenting on the law of Moses, explaining to people who had twisted the meaning of it to fit them comfortably. And Jesus sure made it uncomfortable as he explained what it was all really about. And so as a part of that, Matthew 5, 21 and 26, he says, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, You shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Yelling is nice, but boy, it drives you out. We have been looking the last 
uh, well, several weeks of the book of James in the New Testament, and we will continue to do so through the fall. And I want to tell you, as we do so, there's a book, um, I haven't read the whole thing, but I read the, uh, the dedication at the front. It's one of the best dedications I've ever read. It's a book called Expository Listening. It's a book that's all about how to listen to sermons. And the guy who wrote it said that, you know, the reason, or one of the reasons he wrote it is because there are all kinds of books written for preachers on how to preach, but there aren't any, very many books written on how to listen to a sermon. So he wrote one. And um, anyway, it was given to me, given to me by my brother-in-law. I'm not sure what that meant, but I appreciate it anyway. The, uh, but the, inter- or the dedication of the front, the guy that wrote the book is a preacher, and he dedicates the book to his congregation where he's a pastor. And he says, um, it's to them who, and I quote, would rather have their toes stepped on than their ears tickled. Isn't that a great dedication? This congregation who would rather have their toes stepped on than their ears tickled. Now, of course, what he's referring to there is uh, the part in 2 Timothy where Paul says, you know, warns warns Timothy that in the last days there will be people who will gather around them a great number of teachers who will say whatever their itching ears want to hear. So they're going to turn away from the truth. They're going to turn aside to myths. They're going to just going to say the things that people want to hear to make you know make me comfortable, scratch me where I itch, and that's good. The reason I bring it up is James, in a whole letter, never tickles ears, never scratches people in uh, those itchy spots. Instead, he just goes around like in big wooden boots and is just stomping on toes everywhere. So as we go through this, if you feel like your toes are getting stepped on, that means you're paying attention. Because he's going to step on all our toes at some point, and it's going to start today, uh, really. So be ready. All right. And that warning, by the way, is not a warning like you're getting ready to get your toes stepped on, so you better back away and, you know, kind of hold up your hands and be defensive. It's be, be open to that happening. Because where our toes are stepped on by the Bible, it's probably because we're off track. And that is our helping us to get back on track. So, with that being said, we turn to James chapter 1, verses 19 through 27, which is printed there for you. It says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, 
to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. There's a lot in there, isn't there? There's a lot in there. In fact, this is pretty much the, the main section of all of James. Can't get that to stay. probably all heard the joke. What does it mean when a pastor puts their watch on the pulpit? Absolutely nothing. Um, There it is. This is the main main section of James because it sort of sets the whole thing in context. That verse uh, 22 when he says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. Because the whole book is about not just thinking that because we've heard it, that means we've received it. And so he goes through and shows what it means to actually be living lives that have, uh, that have received the word, that actually are living lives that are being changed by the gospel in relationship with Jesus. And as we get there, we have to understand that this is, comes right on the heels of what he had just told us before. When he said, you know, don't think that when you're tempted, don't say that God is tempting me. That God doesn't do that. And then he sets up this contrast between uh, our own being tempted by our own evil desires, the desires that, you know, maybe God has given us and we have twisted to want something else more than we want God. And he says those evil desires that come from within us, that is what uh, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. That's where it comes. That's where it, where it comes from. That's where um, that's where those desires lead. But on the other hand, he says that God has chosen to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all He created. In other words, what He wants for us is something good. What He wants for us is life with Him that goes on forever. And He's given us His birth through the word of truth. That's why James then has to come back in and say. So don't think, though, just because you've heard the word, that's that's good enough. This is a word that is meant to be applied and lived. And so he begins this section with, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. So right here, off the bat, we have a depiction of what life with God looks like that's different maybe than the rest of the world. And here's just a way you can test that. Anybody here ever watch um, any cable news shows? I don't care what channel. You ever watch any of those political shows where they get people and they're you know, talking about the current issues of the day? I want you to pick, in your mind, your favorite one of those, your favorite show, your favorite host, maybe your favorite guest. And I want you to ask yourself, is that someone who is quick to listen, slow to speak, or slow to become angry? My guess is probably not. I don't know. Maybe you picked one that got it all right. But probably not. Because that's not what sells. That's not what people tune in to watch. We tune in to watch people who are the exact opposite. We want to watch people who are quick to speak, who don't have time to listen, and who sure get mad in a hurry about everything. It doesn't matter what's going on in the country at any particular moment. You can turn on... Uh, one of those channels, and you're going to find somebody who's really upset about it. 
quick to anger. However, God, as he has revealed himself to us, is not like that. In fact, when he has revealed himself to us, the way that he describes himself as one who is gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. Now, I understand why that's probably not on on cable news shows. I don't know who's going to tune in and watch that. But I think it's important for us to recognize that the culture that we are being saturated in is not one that is necessarily godly. Not one that is leading us to be more like God. And in fact, the media that we're looking at, even if we agree with the positions that are being taken, the way it's being communicated may rub off on us in a way that takes us away from God. And that is important for us to recognize as we consume media, that we are careful in what it's doing to us. Because we are not to be like that. We are to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. And we just heard from Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount how he said, you know, you think it's all right if you are really angry with somebody so much that you wish they were dead. As long as you don't kill them, God's still happy with that. And Jesus says, no, not at all. Not at all. A human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, James says, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. When he says humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you, I want you to know this is very different than just hearing the word. But it's a receiving it into you. Planted in you. Letting it take root in your heart and in your life. Letting it grow and letting it sprout as you become more and more a part of this uh, kingdom of God as you grow in your relationship with Him. And then he gets to that key verse, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. We've heard the expression heard the expression before but uh, being in a garage doesn't make you a car and being in a church doesn't make you a Christian. You've heard that. Hearing the word, in fact, being able to pass a theology written exam is not the same thing as being a Christian. To be a Christian means you are in a loving and trusting and living relationship with God through Jesus. That you are walking with him, you are letting him change your life from the inside out. And that's very different than just hearing the word. You know, this is, I try not to use a whole lot of uh, sports illustrations. I understand not everybody is uh, real excited about sports all the time. But it's about to be the kickoff of high school football season. We'll talk about football a little bit. If you can imagine, uh, imagine a young high school guy who says, I'm going to be on the football team this year. I'm going to join the team. And he goes, but the reason he goes is because he wants to get in on the locker room uh, discussions. And he wants to hear the coach give the pep talks at halftime. And when it's timeout 
on the field. Uh, he's in there, and he hears what the coach is saying. Okay, this is what's going on on the field. Here's what we're going to do. And he's like, all right. And they say, ready, break. And he breaks, and he goes back up to the stands, and he sits by his dad. Never makes it on the field. He goes back up to the stands, goes sits by his dad, and he gives him five. He's like, how'd I do? How'd I do? And his dad looks at him, and he's like, I'm not sure you're on the team. You're not actually in the game at all. You're eavesdropping. And what James is saying is make sure that you are not just eavesdropping in the, to those who are actually in the Christian life. Make sure you're not just eavesdropping and listening in and thinking that's good. If you want to listen in, that's great. If then you take the next step and become a part of the team. If then you're ready to say, okay, that's what we're going to do, then I'm going to do it. If that's the workout plan for today, I'm going to go do the workout. And over time, you start finding that you are getting stronger. Your body is growing muscles where you didn't have any before, and you start seeing your skills develop as you're actually on the field on Friday night. Okay, there's the football illustration. James uses a different illustration for those uh, who aren't as interested in football because he didn't know about football yet. Otherwise, I'm sure he would have used it. The way he puts it is this. He says, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. We all look in mirrors, some of us more than others, I'm aware. But you know the reason that you're looking in the mirror is to make sure that everything is where you think it is. And if there's a problem, that you can fix it. And so you, so you look in the mirror and you make sure that all your hair is where it's supposed to be. And you look in the mirror and you make sure that you have, you know, you're applying your makeup where you, where you mean to. <laughs> I don't think that eyebrow is supposed to be there after all. That you shave properly. You, you check your, maybe check the mirror throughout the day. You go to, go to lunch, you check the mirror and make sure you don't have spinach all in your teeth. All right? And the reason that you're checking these things is because if there's a problem, then you can address it and you can fix those things. And you know if you've got spinach in your teeth and you go, oh, that's, that's terrible. And you just walk away. You don't do anything about it. Not only when you smile at people, they, they, they might not smile back, but it's also going to start rotting your teeth. Not just because it looks bad, it's actually causing you problems. James is saying, when we are hearing the Word of God, when we are reading the Word of God, when we are being confronted by the Gospel, it shows us not only who God is, it shows us who we are. But it's not just doing that. It's not doing it to condemn us. It's doing it so that we might be saved and so that we might know the life that God has for us in Jesus. But if we hear the Word and go, ooh, yeah, something's got to be done about that, and then don't do anything about it, it's the same thing as if we look in the mirror and go, oh, that's, that's terrible. Something's got to be done about that. Maybe later. And we walk on. Because it wouldn't make any sense with a mirror, and it doesn't make any sense when we come to the Bible. But, he says, whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. Not how people generally think of the law, I realize. The perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. And for those of you who just heard that and thought, aha, I've got it. I've always been looking for the way to be blessed in what I do because I've got some good ideas of things I want to do and they're just not working. But now if I do this, if I just read the Bible all the time, then I can go and I can start my internet business selling paperclip chains online and it will go, you know, 
viral. Everybody's going to be wanting paperclip chains. No. No, probably not, really. What it's saying is, if we're actually being changed by the Word of God, if we're letting it confront us, letting it challenge us, we're letting Him grow us, and we're actually in that living relationship with Him, with Him, then as we let Him lead, no matter what our external circumstances are, we will be blessed in whatever we do. As we follow His leading, we will be blessed in that. As we have that relationship with Him. That's what He's talking about. Not that we've now found a, a way to get Him to do whatever we want. All right. This final section here, i got to test. This is, for those of you who never go to church, this is like your first time ever at a worship service, I just want you to know the test I'm about to apply to everybody is, is for those, it's not for you, it's for those who come to church religiously. We'll put, use it that way. Because, he says, those who consider themselves religious. So that's the, that's the test. So for those who consider themselves religious, he says, and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues, deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Wow. Now, I, I, I realize the irony this far into the sermon to hear about keeping a tight rein on your tongue. I get it. But I, <laughs> I do not think what he's talking about there is the amount that you speak. Moses, if you read Deuteronomy, apparently talked a whole lot. Paul, at one point, preached so long and so late at night that somebody actually fell asleep out of a window and died. Yeah. <laughs> I've never done that at this point. Um... But I don't think it has to do with the links, because he says you're keeping a tight rein on your tongue. And when you're reining your horse, it's not so much about how far they are going as to which direction they are going, right? I think that's what he's talking about with the tongue. Keeping a tight rein on our tongues means we are controlling the direction of our speech. When we speak, we have the ability to bless or to curse, to be an encouragement or to be a discouragement right? Whether we are speaking to the person face-to-face or speaking about people who aren't around, here's where the test comes in. Those of you who attend worship services on a regular basis, who consider yourselves religious, here's our test. How do you speak about people who are not present when you don't like them, you're mad at them, or you disagree with them. And the question there is, do you speak about them in a way that demonizes or dehumanizes, or do you speak about them in a way that is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and abounding in love? Now, I will tell you, none of us is perfect yet. We all have a long way to go, but this is one of the areas that God will work on us, is in the matter of our speech. And it's one of those things where we always, uh, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And so we think, you know, what we say doesn't matter, except that the Bible consistently says that what we say shows what's in our heart. 
and that our words really do matter, especially as we're speaking about other people. And so James says, if we consider ourselves religious and we, yet we don't keep a tight rein on our tongues, we're deceiving ourselves. Do you realize how many times he's talking about deceiving ourselves at this point? Over and over. Don't be deceived and don't deceive yourself. If you can go to worship service after worship service and say, yes, hallelujah, praise God, and then go out and not let it change you at all, everything that, you're, uh, that you think you believe, you may not really believe. For those of you who, have, uh, who went through the Truth Project a few years ago, you'll probably remember uh, Del Tackett's haunting question. And for those of you who don't remember it, not only will I remind you now, but we're actually going to start it again this fall. And so uh, if you've forgotten or if you've never been to it, come on, Wednesday nights, we're going to be doing that um, again. Here's his haunting question. This is the question that's haunted him, and so he shares it with others, so he's not haunted alone. Is the question, do you believe that what you believe is really real? Do you believe that what you believe is really real? Or do we, and that's the whole question, <laughs> follow up to that, it was, or on the other side, do we say we believe something with our mouths, and yet we live in a way that shows that's not really what we believe at all? If we really believe, If we really believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. You've got the Apostles' Creed printed there. If we really believe all these things, would we really live the same way as everybody else? Of course not. Not if we really believe that. Of course, if we're just giving it lip service, we would absolutely live just the same way as everybody else. And what James is saying is, don't deceive yourself. If you want to live like everybody else, just be open with it and say, I'm not a Christian. I don't believe in God, and I don't want to live for him or with him. I want to live for myself, and I want to put myself first. But don't deceive yourself. Don't think that you're in a relationship with God if you're really not. And one way to check it is with this test. Not just are you hearing the word, but are you living it? Not just have you heard the message, but are your words being changed as your heart is being changed through the message? Now, as I said before, we're not perfect yet, but there should be a trajectory of change in your life. As you listen to how you talk about other people today, it should be different than it was when you first became a Christian. It should be. And if it's not, you may have reason for concern. Then he gives us, that was the kind of the negative. Here we are, though, for the positive. It says, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. As we look at being, not being polluted by the world, you can imagine yourself as a large body of water. It may be easier to do today than on other days. If you wanted to keep this from being polluted, the way a lot of people do it is they say, well, no, I'll just take in all the garbage I can and just try to filter it out on Sunday mornings. Right? He says, no, if you're really in a living and loving and trusting relationship with God, you're not going to be taking in as much garbage as you can and then trying to filter it out on Sunday mornings. You're going to, we're going to try to keep that from coming in at all. And the other half of that 
Proverbs, this looking after orphans and widows in their distress. What is that about? Again, this is not a way that we earn our right standing with God. Jesus earned that, and there's nothing we can do to add to it. But what this is saying is, when we are taking care of the people who need to be taken care of, not because society sees them as valuable, but because we love and trust God who has created them and who has said they are valuable. And we say, if they're valuable to you, they're valuable to me. If you love them, I love them. Right? And because it shows that we understand grace. Our culture does not understand grace. Our culture is very much built on the idea that I will do something for you if you will do something for me. Right? Grace goes like this. I will do something for you. That's it. That's grace. We often define it as granting rewards apart from credit earned. And one of the places you can know that you've really understood that message is when you're helping people who can't help you back. You're helping them because they need help. You're caring for people that God cares about just because you believe and you trust who God is and what he said. You believe in grace and the value of every human being. Now, I realize this message uh, we may have stepped on some toes along the way. I hope that as you have heard this message, your response is not to you know, kind of callous up your feet so that the next message doesn't hurt as bad. But I hope rather that you pay attention to the spots where it stings and that you listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit to guide you in what it means to not deceive yourself any longer, but to actually be brought in to that loving and trusting relationship with God through Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.